Hello, and welcome to the Unafraid Podcast on the OKC First Podcast Network feed. Uh, what are we calling it? We're not official. Network feed sounds pretty official. Network, network feed? I think it's technically a feed. I mean, we're not a network. I think you're a network whenever you like have more than two. Well, we've got a long tradition of a sermon podcast that even predates my being here, so maybe maybe we are kind of a network? Maybe. Who knows? I don't know. We don't make these decisions. Like We, we have no power in this, by the way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we, no, there's somebody else in charge. I don't know who it is. God. Uh, <laughs> yeah, God. God, he is our... He's the boss. He's the boss. Anyways, mm-hmm. welcome back to this podcast. Uh, we... Uh, we really appreciate all the feedback. Uh, for the time being, we're going to host this on the OKC First feed. We're a baby podcast. We need we need the help. We need we need to we need to learn how to spread our wings and fly. And so, um, but we're not ready yet. So uh, continue to continue to subscribe to OKC First, uh, the OKC First feed. We've actually included the name Unafraid in the actual title of the feed, so it'll be easier for you to find if you are just looking for Unafraid. And it will automatically download if you're already subscribed to the OKC First Preaching Podcast, then this will automatically download kind of between those, sure, between sure. weeks of preaching. Yes, and we also appreciate all of the questions and, and comments and uh, suggestions for future episodes, uh, whether you saw that on Instagram or Facebook or emailed info at okcfirst.com. We saw all those. Hopefully, we'll be able to address a bunch of those in the next few episodes. Uh, really? Mm-hmm. Really? In the microphone? Right into the microphone. What are you? What are you drinking there? Well, I'm glad you asked, Zach. Uh, as it turns out, I am sipping a little bit of coffee from Sincerely Coffee Roasters, the sponsor of today's podcast. What we have sponsors now? Yes, we do, and this is what we call an ad read. Ready? Oh, I've always wanted to do one of these. Whether at home, work, or a cafe, there's nothing like connecting with someone over a cup of coffee. At Sincerely Coffee. These connections are what have brought us together to create a company that strives to love people, love our planet, make excellent coffee, and tell a story. Uh, And I can vouch, this is really good coffee. I actually am drinking some of Ian Fleming's coffee today. And for those of you out there in podcast land, that is his real name, Ian Fleming. Oh, Uh, uh, author of James Bond books? Not the same Ian Fleming, but it is a and Ian Fleming. Ah, ah, this Ian is Fleming. our uh, Ian Fleming, and it is really good coffee. And I, what I'm really excited about are his dreams for how this can really be a redemptive sort of process and business venture. And so I would highly recommend, if you are interested in, in uh, hiring a coffee company, you can contact SincerelyCoffeeRoasters at gmail.com. That is all spelled out sincerely, coffeeroasters at gmail.com. Uh, or the website will be available up and running on June 3rd. Not before that, but on June 3rd, it will be up at sincerely.coffee. Like, that's the whole web address. I didn't know you could do a dot .coffee. I didn't either. Can you do a dot .anything? Um, I don't know. I think mine's going to be dot .beard someday. <laughs> dot .beard? Dot .beard. Okay. Mine's going to be dot .awkward. <laughs> yeah, we, that that feels right. <laughs> feels right. Dot awkward. Well, anyway, yeah. I I uh, like I say, please call or email Ian because this is a this is a great cup of coffee. I think it will actually do all the things that he says it will do. Make a great cup of coffee and and allow for folks to get together and tell their stories. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. Our guest today is Logan Cruck. 
He is a staff pastor here at OKC First. Uh, he's the associate pastor of Word and Table. Is that correct? That's correct. Awesome. And and as I understand, you do have a doctorate now. Yeah, as of like two weeks ago. Hello, so, doctor. Doctor, correct. Doctor, doctor. <laughs> hey, fun fact. Yeah. This is the second time around for Logan as a member of the OKC First Ministry team. Oh, what did he do before? Yes. Well, in 2006, you guys brought me on as a middle school youth pastor, yes. which wow. like I never thought yes. I'd have to be cool again, yeah. and then suddenly I had to be cool again. Um, Here's yeah. a, well, I mean, really, the sneaky fact is they're not cool either. So it's no, fine. it's, it's like, so none true. of us are cool. Now, here's a statistic someone needs to write down somewhere. Yeah. Fifty uh, percent of the time. The people who leave OKC first, having been in the position of middle school pastor, go on to Duke Divinity School and get doctorates. The only one that hasn't thus far is uh, Chuck Mosley. Oh, Chuck, calling you out. There's still a chance. He could. He could. He could, yeah. Anyway, my friend Logan is here, and I have always counted on Logan to be an expert in a lot of fields, actually, but I love to talk with Logan about Sabbath and Sabbath theology because that was your focus in undergrad, but also some of your graduate work, right? Right, yeah, up through my master's work where I did uh, work on Proverbs and Exodus and how the two work together. Okay, great. So. And this is one of those topics that I think I think we have a lot to talk about. I think uh, this topic of Sabbath and Sabbath theology is probably accessed differently from folks in the pews as opposed to folks up front sometimes. And I know you are so smart, and I know that there will be a tendency for us to get into a theological conversation that will at times be so in the tower that when Zach feels like we're too in the tower, he's going to do this, which is our return to earth horn. <laughs> and so we'll we'll hear that, but I don't I don't want that to deter us from having, though, a good and thoughtful, theologically reflective conversation on on Sabbath. So thank you for being here today. No, absolutely. It's my pleasure. Yeah. yeah. So let's just jump right in. Uh, so we're going to we're going to start a little bit just with what is Sabbath? Like what what is it? How how do we do it? Why do we do it? What's sort of some of the history behind it? Um, I mean, we can that's where we're probably going to start getting into the weeds because uh, we're going to start talking Old Testament at that point. But yeah, just tell us about Sabbath. Yeah, so the common concept of Sabbath is I get a day of rest, right? Mm-hmm. Um, especially in the United States. I mean, when you live in communities like here in Oklahoma that still have blue laws in effect, mm-hmm. um, where on Sunday certain businesses have to be closed, like liquor stores, uh, other things, that's because of an old sort of church Sabbath theology, that the day of worship was also a day of rest that businesses should be closed and, and people should have a day off. Yeah. Um, and again, I think as we've gone away from that, it's become much more of how do I find my personal Sabbath, mm-hmm. um, my 30 minutes of rest, my two hours of rest. Um, but again, uh, the direction of that has become selfish and I-directed as opposed to outward and God-directed mm. um, or even world-directed. Um, so Sabbath in the Old Testament is something very different. Um, it is the core of a community and the way that a, a group of people live life with each other. Mm. Um, it's a core of a politic and economy. Um, and it's a core of really being holy like God is holy. Huh. Um, to have a day of rest whenever you see the Sabbath command, first of all, the Sabbath command is the pivotal command in the Ten Commandments. The first three commands... Uh, are about our relationship with God. The last six commands are about our relationship with each other, 
But the Sabbath is where we rest like God rested so the world can rest. It's where God and the world meet together through us as God's people. So Sabbath is a gift that the people of God give to the world? Uh, It's a gift that God gives to us so that the world itself can rest and just not produce, Hmm. not create, not constantly make and exhaust itself. Okay. Um, Yeah. So what is that? Okay. So now bring us to 2019. What does that look like? Like uh, we have one of the questions down that we got from somebody in the audience is, what are best practices of Sabbath keepers? And so given what you've just said to us, which makes perfect sense, uh, give us some idea of what that looks like today. Yeah, so let's, I I mean, again, I think we need to think historically before we think presently, right? Um, Sabbath was developed out of an Israelite economy, which is an agrarian economy. Um, They depended on land. They depended on the land to produce. They depended on animals to produce and work the land for them. They depended on um, employees, but back then they're called slaves, uh, to help work the land and make it produce. They depend on their families and large families to make it work. Um, and again, it's all agrarian based. So one day a week, you are supposed to not do any work. And again, the commandment isn't just you have to rest on the Sabbath, but you, your sons, your daughters, your manservants, your maidservants, your animals, and the land itself all has to rest. That's Hmm. seven things that have to rest, which is again, a number of completion. So that means all creation itself has to rest, including all the workers, all the animals, and the soil itself. Wow. Um, today, we don't think in these terms. We don't work the land. Our hands are not dirty with the soil that we live on. Right. Um, maybe we do on a Saturday whenever we're trying to plant our flowers in spring, uh, but we don't depend on the land to produce anything for us anymore, uh, nor do we pen- depend on each other to work the land together. So mm-hmm. we don't sweat together. We don't... We don't ache together. We don't break our backs together to make these things work. Well, yeah. Society's just become so individualized and individualistic. I mean, right. it's, it's me, me, me. I, I, I sort of what Tamara talked about last week with worship that even worship songs, we're having a hard time finding communal language. Right. Yeah. We don't speak that language anymore. Right. So now Sabbath is me and my family directed, or it is what am I going to go do to have fun directed? Right. Um, as opposed to a concept of Everything has to rest. Um, And so I think Sabbath practices now looks like we want to stay home and maybe watch movies or play games with our family or go watch a sporting event. Netflix. Yep. (laughs) Um, Exactly. Yeah. We are are going to watch Netflix uh, and possibly Netflix and chill. Whoa. whoa. We do not condone the chill. Uh, (laughs) Chill is too much Sabbath. Uh, at mean, 51, I don't know what you're talking about. So. I, I think I think Nazarenes call it the Nazarene nap. Okay, um, all right. Oh, you right, know. right, 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 right. Send the kids <laughs> to go make brownies. Um, <laughs> they don't do that. <laughs> but yeah, so you know, we we have it in this focus of me. But what we don't think about is when I rest on a Sunday after service. First of all, it's a Sunday, not a Saturday, which is typically Sabbath day. Um, but when I rest on my day. I go out to eat so I don't have to cook. I, uh, you know, I might run a few errands so I don't have to worry about that the rest of the week, right? It's a day for me to get small things knocked off my list maybe so my brain can rest the rest of the time. Uh, But in doing so, I'm making other people work. Right. 
And that's anti-Sabbath. Okay. Um, that is living in the land of Pharaoh. Okay. Um, which is very backwards to living in the world formed by God's Sabbath. Yeah. So then, so what might it look like to, to, to do Sabbath well today looks like what? We had this discussion in one of my classes about a year and a half ago. And I really struggle with what it looks like to actually do Sabbath today. Yeah. Because Sabbath today is a luxury that is afforded to the rich. Mm. Um, Sabbath today is something that people with money can practice because they don't have to work one day to make sure that all their ends meet. Um, but in a society that we've built on hourly wages, on 40 hours a week plus, um, on a minimum wage that doesn't meet living standards, um, when we ask people to take a Sabbath, what we're asking lower middle class and our poor workers to do is to sacrifice eight hours of income. Yeah. That they're going to need to keep their roof over their head or food on their table or gas in their gas tank to make sure that they can get to work, especially in a city like Oklahoma City that doesn't have public transit. Right. Right. Um, so I think in a church today, what Sabbath looks like is something that the community itself has to decide on. And then part of the church tithe, part of the church budget has to go to paying the eight hours of work that people are losing because they're resting. Wow. Like, we as a church have to build an economic model that can afford the Sabbath for those who can't afford it. Would it, would it be also, um, would it be right to say, in addition to that, that what we could do is provide a meal for people who might otherwise have to go purchase it? I mean, I think that that's a good first step. Um, but I think even in providing a meal that might knock, you know, what, $15, $20 off somebody's budget. But it's not going to meet their eight hundred to a thousand to twelve hundred dollar rent that month. Right. Right. Um, it it it's helps. It's just a step. It's a step, and yeah. I, I think it's a good first step to take in something that we can provide. And maybe that meal is a time of community Sabbath together. Um, but also understanding that some of your church members aren't going to be able to show up, right? Because they have to work in a non-Sabbath land. So when we have in the past shamed people for working on Sunday we were operating under a faulty theology of Sabbath. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. When, when you fault anybody who is, who is on the margins of society um, for not being able to keep up with the demands of, of God's law, let's face it. um, The fingers that really need to be pointed are at those who are paying the people, those who are employing the people or those, the community itself around these people who are not allowing the Sabbath to happen. Okay. Because of larger economic issues. So when someone has said, this gets us to another, another one of the questions. Uh, when someone says, I was always taught that Sabbath meant going to church and honoring it by going to church. And then they float. I'm not sure if I agree with that anymore. That too is a conversation had underneath the faulty understanding of Sabbath. Oh, sure. I mean, a Sabbath for, you know, the Jewish people starts on Friday evening where you may go to synagogue together and worship, but then afterwards you have your family meal and it, and then you unplug, right? It's, that's it. Um, and you rest until Saturday evening. Right. Uh, maybe you have synagogue on Saturday morning, but worship is part of Sabbath. Like right. that's one thing that, 
I think we as Christians can understand. And I, again, I think we can be flexible and say, sure, begin Sabbath with Sunday worship. Okay. Um, but to invoke this language of Sabbath so and, and say, well, we're going to stay home and rest because it just takes so much energy to get everybody together to go to, to go to church and go to worship. I'm going to take my own Sabbath or our family, we're going to take our own Sabbath is is again luxury afforded to the rich. Oh sure. Yeah, absolutely. And and again for me to take my own sabbath even to not get ready to go to worship is a way for me to distance myself from my community, my mm. responsibilities. Um I think that whenever we think about sabbath, yeah, I think it's okay for us to take a day of rest. But to also have extra money in our wallet so that when we do come by a homeless person or when we do go to that restaurant that we don't just pay a meager tip, right? but we actually afford them beyond their wages in a way that provides them life. Like if we go out to eat on Sunday, the tip that I leave behind should pay them double, triple what their hourly wages should be hmm. um, in order to give them the space to rest. Right. Man. Um, that, yeah. You pay them enough to give them some time to rest. Right. Um, and again, I think that this goes back to what Jesus talked about whenever he got in trouble by the Pharisees for picking grain on the Sabbath or healing the man's withered hand. Right. You know, Jesus gives that beautiful scripture uh, or that, that beautiful sort of proverb that says, you know, well, wouldn't you pull your ox out of a well if it fell into it on the Sabbath to, you know, to save it? Why aren't we saving this guy's life too? Yeah. Um, and again, I think that, that that's kind of our society that we would get in trouble for doing things on the Sabbath to support those who can't afford to live in it, but shouldn't we provide for their life in the same way that pulls them out of the hole of production and backbreaking labor and their struggle to, to breathe um, and allow them to rest too? So be at the very least, be good tippers. Oh yeah. I mean, be good tippers, be, you know, if you own a business, like build Sabbath into your payment like the like how much do you pay a person do you also pay them to take sabbath hmm. um are there any businesses now that are doing that that you know of i have no idea communities or anything no not not that i heard of intentionally mm-hmm. um is that a part of chick-fil-a's business model i've not looked up chick-fil-a's business model at all <laughs> sadly chick-fil-a I thought they were just trying to torture us with, yeah chick-fil-a with, hasn't been on my radar for a while so. no chick-fil-a for, <laughs> for people who want it on sunday well, that I mean, that's just it, right? right Chick Fil A right. closes all. I mean, all over the place they close on a Sunday. If you go to the mall and you go to the food court on a Sunday, Chick Fil A is closed on Sunday, whether it's a freestanding store or a mall store. Yeah, so I mean, a store that has a model that has to close itself on a Sunday but still afford full time workers means that they have to provide forty hours in the other six days, right? So in a way, they accidentally stumble into providing for the Sabbath. Why? Well, because they don't work on the sabbath even if they're probably operating off of that old sunday model go to church and that's your sabbath model that we were talking about earlier right they probably just stumbled into it well how much does that matter what 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 day of the week how much does that matter logan i think when it comes to communal ethics it matters a lot okay um so that people can spend sabbath together so that we can rest and enjoy life together because again i think one of the things we also miss about sabbath um is Sabbath is meant to be a foretaste of the kingdom of God. Mm. Sabbath Unpack is... Unpack that a little bit. Well, it's uh, it's a time for us to worship God in community together. That's how we begin our day. To probably eat together so that we're not 
all cooking on our own and, you know, taking on that burden uh, so that we enjoy life with our workers, so that we enjoy life with our children, so that we enjoy life with even our, our animals and the land itself by just taking in its beauty. Um, it's Sabbath is a point of revelry. Yeah. Um, which, again, I think American Christians are really bad at. Um, we don't know how to revel rightly. Hmm. Um, but Sabbath is is a, a day of, of feasting and community support, right? Um, again, if you think of, of it in agrarian terms, like, that food's not going to last. So you're going to have to cook it the night before. But it's very potlucky, right? Everybody's got to get together and share. Uh, and then kids can go play games out in the field and and you, you know... You can lounge and, and accidentally take an afternoon nap, but it's because the whole community is resting. Got it. It's because the earth itself is resting that, that that revelry can happen. For me to revel at the expense of my neighbor, that's not Sabbath, that's oppression. And that's um, what gets us back to Egypt and the pharaohs. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, and again, I, I feel like I should unpack that a little bit. Let's do it. Um, so the thing about Exodus... Uh, it, and when you start off Exodus, you find out what Pharaoh's doing, and Pharaoh is using the Israelite slaves to build store cities. Not the pyramids, not any of these other things, but two cities, uh, dominantly, that were meant to store grain and food uh, for famine. It's that whole system that Joseph built 400 years before. Okay. Right? Um, but Pharaoh uses slaves to grow food, to harvest food, to build buildings, to put the food into those buildings, and to only give them meager means to survive on seven days a week, 365 days a year. No break. No break. You work. And Pharaoh is the hand that feeds you. But there are literal buildings full of food that aren't being provided to the Israelites. And not only that, Pharaoh actually then institutes the whole thing about tossing babies into the Nile River to keep the numbers down, which turns the river of life in Egypt into a river of death, a river yeah. of blood, right? Um, and again, when you read the Old Testament, most of the time whenever God acts kind of violently against a group of people, it's probably because they're killing their children. Hmm. Um, even when Israel was exiled, it was because of the sins of Manasseh, and Manasseh was one mm -hmm. who reintroduced child sacrifice into Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so God frees the Israelites from Egypt and sends them into the wilderness. And again, uh, well, I'll, I'll loop back to that in a bit, but he frees them into the wilderness, which is a place that has nothing. And the Israelites do complain, oh, we should have gone back to Egypt. At least we had right. meat and bread in Egypt, right? Like yeah. uh, there were flesh pots there, whatever a, a flesh pot is. Yeah. Um, chicken in every pot. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, bury it in the ground. Very, very Korean style. Bury it in the ground, let it ferment, eat it later. That's how we keep it good. <laughs> hey, I find that stuff delicious. Okay. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Um, but yeah, and then they, they hit Sinai and, and, uh, they give these instructions to build a tabernacle. And again, the first thing that the Israelites do after they get the Torah law from Sinai is that they build not a building, but a tent, but still right. a, kind of a building, right? Temporary shelter. Right. And it's the house for God. So they were building storehouses for Pharaoh, and now they're building a house for God. Hmm. But this time, instead of everything being demanded, they give offerings to build the tabernacle, so much so that God has to give them back to the people. Uh, they, they give an abundance. 
Um, the tabernacle is built in seven stages by seven commands, which reflects the creation narrative. And it begins and ends with a, a command of Sabbath. Hmm. Um, and so they rest, they build, and then they rest at the end. And this is the way the world should work. Uh, and there's enough. God provides manna and quail. They don't worry for anything. The land itself rests. Uh, the Israelites as slaves now get to rest. Um, their animals get to rest. And then God gives them the command for the promised land. You keep this Sabbath going because if you don't, the land itself is going to get sick and vomit you out. Wow. Which we live with here, right? Like I, we live in Oklahoma, which is literally the land in the 1920s, 1930s that we overworked so much that it got sick and vomited us out. Yeah. The Dust Bowl, all of that. Right. I mean, yeah. my, my grandmother, the reason I love half the food that I eat for breakfast, which is basically flour, milk, and eggs, is because my grandmother came from the Great Depression, right? Like, there's still these these echoes of a time when we went into exile because we abused the land and each other. And banks took our houses away because we couldn't afford them. But it was because we didn't let things rest appropriately. This is fascinating. So, but we're back at it again, right? Yeah. Um, and and in, we, in what sense? Can you unpack that a little bit? We're back at it again. What do you mean by that? Abusing the land again? Oh, we abuse the land again. I mean, Oklahoma. I think we finally figured out that you know, what is it? Uh, Fracking wastewater disposal is creating earthquakes, but again, like all for the all for the dollar, right? Um, That our fields can't grow correctly. I mean, climate change itself is happening because our factories can't shut off. um, That our cars can't stop moving. um, You know that we have to overproduce animals, which produce methane, so that we can keep butchering because every drop of animal blood is a dollar sign. you know, every bit of milk that comes out of a cow is a dollar sign. And so we continue producing methane and and stripping fields so that we can grow more meat for the sake of food waste. Uh, you Man. know, we don't respect life enough to have Sabbath. Um, so Sabbath, properly understood, is a God-given gift, not just to me, and not just to my own, but God-given gift to all of creation. And in the process of honoring the Sabbath, it sustains all of life. Yeah, it does. But again, it sustains life because we become like God, right? Mm. Sabbath means that we rest like God rested at the end of creation. Um, and again, little side note, by the way, if you're reading the Old Testament, don't begin with the book of Genesis. Begin with Exodus. Exodus is the gospel of the Old Testament. It's the core story by which the hymns and the stories of sure. Genesis make sense, right? The Red Sea crossing and the creation narrative are the same thing. Okay. Um, the poetry, the Hebrew words, everything is said in the same rhythm in the same way that creation and Red Sea crossing are the same event. Wow. Um, the way that God created the Israelite people through the Red Sea is the same poetry that they wrote for the way that God creates the world. The rest that God gave them at the end of the other side of the Red Sea is the same rest that God granted creation on the first Sabbath day instituted that in creation. beautiful. Grief. So. Beautiful. So I don't have to read Genesis ever again. <laughs> yep, done. 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> can like, I, can I rip that out? <laughs> like, I, I, I mean, again, like the the Old Testament's very chronological, right. but it doesn't mean that it is literally chronological. Sure, right. And I'm just kidding about not reading Genesis because I can't, I can't give up Genesis 12. Oh, I can't give up tons in Genesis. Yeah. Yeah, but again, all of that. I'll get I'll get to it after I read the Exodus. Okay, right? Like that's that's how I I feel whenever you read these things. Exodus is the master narrative that puts everything else in frame. Oh, this is really good. I know. I almost hate to to cut it short. I mean, we're running out of time, but uh, I guess we can end on. We've been asking everybody, uh, well, one person. We've had one guest. Uh, <laughs> we've asked all of our guests. We've asked all. <laughs> <laughs> we've asked guest. Uh, what is what is the hope that you have for the people of God as it as it uh, pertains to Sabbath? And 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 if you 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 could do that broadly or or just in our small community of OKC First, like what what is your hope for people? Again, I, I'm playful. Um, I love revelry, uh, games. I love the imagination and the mentality. I, I, I think my hope comes in two forms. One, it's that we begin to have the ridiculous imagination to believe that it can be so. And to begin to write our realities and pretend, like play make-believe, that it's real. Right? Like, return to your five-year-old roots, go sit in your friend's room and play Sabbath. Um, I, I don't know what that means exactly, but I, kids figure out how to play all the time. And maybe we have to figure that out too. Hmm. Like, just act like children and go play Sabbath together. Um, That's really good. I'm going to keep this word revelry. I, yeah, I love this. D- would you say that we don't emphasize the revelry part enough as people of faith? Oh, I say Nazarenes absolutely do not emphasize revelry enough. Why do you think that is? Oh, I mean, I think part of it's the time that our church was born. Um, but there was a large movement from the late 1800s into the early 1900s for uh, poor houses and work communities to to get to work, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a very capitalistic American. We've idolized work. Absolutely. I mean, to be a good white Anglo-Saxon Protestant means you have that Protestant work ethic. Right. Um, it's not that Protestant rest ethic or that Protestant play ethic or that Protestant Christ-like ethic. It's work ethic, which wow. again is very Pharaoh yeah. and not, and not so much Adonai. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so we, we put in laws that limited revelry, right? Instead of dancing, you need to get to work. Um, instead of going out late on a Friday night, you need to sleep well so that you can work again on Saturday. Um, instead of cooking food for a feast for you to enjoy with your community, you need to make a sandwich to pack it up to get to work, right? Um, instead of doing these things that allow us to live life and enjoy life together, we need to get out to the fields and work. It reminds me of Steinbeck's, I've read The Grapes of Wrath here recently, but there's a point where the government work camp that the Joads are living in, uh, they have Friday night dances and they can afford it because the community takes care of each other in this government work camp. But all of the the industrialized agricultural areas in, in California are scared of this group of people who's just enjoying life together because they're not under the thumb of the the field. Uh, they're they're enjoying life. And so they send people to break it up and 
destroy the camp and put everybody back under the thumb of the taskmasters in the fields and to continue to lower wages for the people in the fields. Um, again, I think if we want to learn Sabbath here, I think one of the things we have to do is read it alongside our narrative of the Dust Bowl. I think we need to read uh, Steinbeck's Grapes of Wrath at the same time that we're trying to understand Sabbath to get those glimpses of what a non-Sabbath world looks like. Okay, so I'm asking you here out loud and in front of everybody, if at some point you'd be willing to teach a class that I think we could call Steinbeck and Sabbath, led and facilitated by Dr. Logan Kruk. Oh, absolutely. I would I would love to do that. Okay. Yeah, that's great. That's so good. Are we are we ready yet for the rapid fire questions? Oh, I was born ready. Okay, before we get to that, I just want to say thank you. Oh, my pleasure. I yeah. mean, this has just been fascinating. And and folks that have questions will email those questions or comments to info at okcfirst.com and then we'll make sure that you get them. But I am I am so grateful. Uh, for your, well, I'm so grateful for your life and for your work here. If those of you out in podcast land don't don't know this, but Logan sports a, a powerful beard and very long hair. The beard and mustache, long hair combination makes him look a whole lot like Jesus. Yes. Uh, and so it's always a pleasure to serve alongside people who look like Jesus. Some of them because they actually look like every picture I've ever seen of Jesus. Amen. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll post a picture of, of the three of us uh, on OKC First's Instagram page, so you can you can get a good look at Jesus. And then you, we could ask the caption it by saying, "Which one of these looks most like Jesus?" Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'll be pointing at one of you yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Stream of consciousness questions to to allow people to get to know you, sure. Logan. Uh, we have not prepared you ahead of time for these questions, and nope. some of them border on ridiculous, and some of them cross that border into ridiculous. <laughs> that works. And so, Zach, uh, I'm out of the way. Okay, okay. First question. What is the first CD you've ever bought? Oh, uh, I think it was Ultimate Dance Party 1997. <laughs> Fantastic. When I was like in the fifth or sixth grade. <laughs> yeah, so all of those are... Oh, it's Wait, so what, what's on that? Uh, I think the original, what is that, um, uh, that song that's in Madagascar that everybody loves. Like, like, uh, I, I like, like to move it. it. Yeah, 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 there we go. I mm. like to move it. Uh, Come on, ride the train is on there. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's really bad sort of jock jams kind of so stuff. Good. <laughs> it's so good. So uh, good. And it's so far afield from what I'm actually into. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. My first CD was Backstreet Boys. Yes. So Excellent. It was the Millennium album, for those who care. <laughs> Uh, uh, Logan, what's the musical instrument that you wish you knew how to play? Uh, the accordion. Oh, nice. The, uh, that might be the least surprising thing I've heard today. Love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've just, I've seen like, uh, in, in flogging Molly, who's this Irish punk traditional band. Like I've seen them rock the accordion. I was like, that instrument's actually sexy. But like, and then with with my german roots whenever i whenever i get into any sort of like german restaurant or polka night like i watch dudes like sport the the accordion and i'm like man that thing can actually rock like i, I, can, I should use that a little bit. get on the squeeze box rocking the accordion <laughs> the squeeze box <laughs> the squeeze box okay we're keeping revelry and squeeze box for this <laughs> i don't know if i can get the next one out <laughs> oh my gosh okay whoo whoo uh do all dogs go to heaven? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, 
That was a great answer. Yeah. That is a great we answer. We were going to upset most of our audience if you said no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, because I'm, I can't wait to hear this answer. Favorite sports team? Uh, MLS Chicago Fire. Yes. Okay. Uh, they are definitely usually the bottom of the league, uh, at least for the last three or four years. But uh, I'm if I'm not anything, I'm a fan for the underdog. Love it. Love it. Right. If you owned a yacht, what would you name it? Uh, if I if I owned a yacht, what would I name it? <laughs> this is before you sold it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To do proper um, Sabbath. <laughs> oh, I. That's that's a hard one to figure out. Yeah. Get, let's look back to that one. Yeah, I gotta, we'll come back. I gotta, we'll come yeah, back. I gotta we'll let that sure one start. Here, I got another one. I got a backup. Do it. Uh, which which song can you listen to over and over without getting bored? Oh, what's been on repeat here recently? Um, I, I mean, honestly, I just referenced them, but Flogging Molly's Black Friday Rule is one of the songs that I can jam to forever. Nice. Um, I'm gonna go yeah. check that out. Um, it's, a, it's got a little bit of language in there. Oh well, we'll oh, cut that well, part. Out. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we'll bleep it. Um, pet name your wife has for you that you'd rather not share with us. <laughs> I think the usual one is Logie Bear. Uh, <laughs> Done. Call yeah, me that from now on. <laughs> uh, introduce us to your to your wife. I mean, she's not sitting here, but just. Tell us a little bit about who she is and what she does. Oh, yeah. So uh, Kathleen is a legal aid attorney. Um, and she, I, I mean, just phenomenal at her work. She was an accountant beforehand, loves finances, and finding finding that everything equals zero is like the happiest point in her life. <laughs> um, but at the same time, like, she has to be an advocate for the poor. Yeah. Um, she's a lawyer for people who can't afford it. She does foreclosure and bankruptcy defense work which means that she takes on the banks or the major financial institutions to make sure people can have what they have. Um, Y'all make a powerful team. Yeah, I mean, she's she's phenomenal at it, and she, more than anybody, has shown me what it means to be an advocate, which means to take on somebody else's voice as your own and to silence your own voice and opinions. Mm. Um, she has to speak as if she is the people she's representing. Um, and it's it's beautiful. Um, it's hard. Uh, it's, it's rough, um, because then she has all of those voices with her constantly, um, as she works with them. But yeah, so that's what she does. But beyond, I mean, Kathleen is far more than that. Um, Kathleen is fiercely loyal, uh, fiercely loving. She is, uh, I, I always call her sort of dynamite. Like, um, she is just, she is the very opposite of me where, I take things slow and think things through. She is just in the fight right off the bat and loves to live life to the extreme and just um, is is all the energy that I wish I could have to keep things going. Um, and the other part of her, too, is she has the wisdom to push me out the door to the things that I need to go do. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I, I couldn't ask for a better wife. Yeah. I've always been a good team. But more importantly, what would you name that yacht? Oh, let's see. So first of all, it has to be a USS, right? Because I'm, I'm a United States citizen. Uh, of course, that's what our listeners want. You know what? To. I'm going to go with this. Uh, after one of my favorite bad movies, I'll call it the USS Michael York. Uh, <laughs> Michael York, who played Logan 5 and Logan's Run. So uh, good. Phenomenal movie. Um, yeah. There that's we go. That's a winner. Wow. That's, that's, that's where we land right that there. That feels like a good place to leave off. Yeah, that was good. I think we'll I think we'll land that plane there or that yacht there. <laughs> so thank you, John. Thank you, Logan. You bet. We'll see you guys next time. 
This has been another episode of Unafraid. As always, we'd love to hear from you regarding future topics and questions that we might try and tackle. The best way to get a hold of us is by emailing info at okcfirst.com. Also, please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes. Your feedback and support is crucial to this podcast, and we can't thank you enough. And remember, no matter who you are, you are loved. Thanks, and we'll catch you next time.